Welcome, everyone, to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today is a solo episode. And just for all those who are listening, uh, mark your calendar. Next week, we are taking a summer break, and so we're just going to be off one episode uh, before we restart again with our um, podcast. So just an uh, FYI for everybody who's listening. And today, we're going to be talking all about light the light within us that communicates on um, the biophotonic realm. Also, uh, some feedback and some ideas around the light around us that really fuels and organizes our circadian biology. And so I just did a, a little webinar for my pro mentorship, and we talked about lighting the path, about really this beautiful body of work that we have around how we as humans communicate with light. We are actually essentially a being of light, that man is known to be a being of light, according to Dr. Fritz Albert Popp, who was a German biophysicist who really discovered these biophotonic emissions that uh, were uh, in communication between cells. And he found that really every molecule in the body is a potential biophoton emitter and receiver, and that all beings really emit this ultra-weak biophotonic uh, communication and that these biophotons are particles of light in the UV and low visible light range. And before him, he, of course, Dr. Fritz Albert Popp, um, discovered um, biophoton emissions in the 1970s. And before him, in 1922, there was a Russian researcher, Alexander Gerwitz, who studied the weak ultraviolet photonic radiation emitted from onion roots. And so I was just, you know, going through just a lot of information. And um, my dear friend, Harry Massey, who created NAS, he actually interviewed, if you Google him, um, on one of his very early podcasts, he interviewed Dr. Pop. So I thought that was fun. And you know, this idea is that there is, you know, essentially what a biophoton is, is a photon, a non-thermal origin of the visible and ultraviolet spectrum emitting from biological systems such as us. And biophotons, again, light, remember, is part of that um, electromagnetic uh, spectrum, and it ranges from the UV to infrared, and that sliver within that electromagnetic uh, spectrum um, we have these biophotons, which create electromagnetic fields uh, throughout the body. And these fields and frequencies are communicating at the uh, speed of light, and they um, maintain regulation and order and connection. And it's interesting that within us, there is a rhythm of biophoton emission. Uh, photons can basically be emitted um, according to location in the body, circadian rhythm, seasonal rhythms. The body emits light on a daily basis, and it may fall with the body clock. Um, interestingly, in the summer, the phenomenon of um, these ultra-weak photonic emissions is greater than in the winter, which I thought it was really um, interesting. And throughout the course of the day, emission is weak during the period of external light, while it rises in the evening, and this fluctuation is, you know, not affected by the external world. Um, and so there's also, as we have, you know, an inverse relationship of cortisol in the blood, where if cortisol is high, these photonic emissions are low and vice versa. And so all just very interesting little tidbits. And photons can be 
spontaneous. They can be induced by things like viruses, bacteria, and fungi, or temperature and gas, or uh, radiation. And we know that there are more biophoton emissions in areas like the mitochondria, where there is more reactive oxygen species or reactive nitrogen species within the cellular environment. And interestingly, there is, you know, this kind of through line of communication that I have been just dancing with this model of the quantum terrain or this continuum of uh, connection between the DNA through the field. And the DNA actually emit biophotons and Dr. Pop proved this. He proved that light in your body is stored by and emitted from your DNA through his research. And he found that the DNA inside each cell vibrates at the frequency of several billion hertz. This is really quite quick, more than my mind can conceive. And the DNA sends the biophotons to the microtubulin, which is the scaffolding within the cells that are right there waiting for you know these photonic emissions to carry. Um, and if you look at a chromosome, it kind of looks like an X. And within the chromosome is the DNA that is basically um, stored in these chromosomes. And, you know, I was reading someone and they said the chromosome behaves almost like a laser emitter. emitter and it's, you know, its structure actually allows it to emit these photons, you know, in a more streamlined way. And then mitochondria, as I mentioned, they've studied a lot of biophotonic emissions I mean, just regular research, not fringe science in the brain and in the neuron. And they find that there is emissions of mitochondrial biophotons um, and they are connected to the microtubules. And they, they find that these fluctuations, photons um, within the microtubules can basically, there's a relationship between our brain waves and these messages and um, these um, signals. And when we think about the microtubulin, going back again to the cytoskeleton, which the, again, the inside the um, nucleus, there's the uh, chromosomes in the DNA and within the cellular structural structure outside the nucleus, there's the mitochondria and all of those are living in this beautiful scaffolding that's not just, again, a scaffolding, just much like the fascia, this is within the cell. Um, it's actually a communication network. And there were researchers, Jimbu and Hammerhoff, that concluded from the diameter within the microtubules of about 15 nanometers were capable of guiding this light. Um, and it just kind of, you, you know, when you start taking a look outside, you know, okay, um, this idea of the living matrix or the tissue continuum, that these photons have a um, highway, um, and that highway is the microtubulin crossing and crossing over the cell, hooking into the fascia or cytoskeleton. Um, so all of that is, you know, quite fascinating. And then when you think about this continuum and, you know, the lymph and the blood are within it, you know, so these are just other highways that are communicating these biophotons. And then, you know, then what's outside of the body, right? We we see that, you know, the biofield and, you know, I'm, I'm doing a recording as we speak, um, the Coherence Summit and my ideas are, um, you know, just my model keeps evolving, especially as I get to talk and ask questions to Dr. Roland McCready, my co-host. And, you know, we think about, you know, the biofield 
um, you know, as this field within the unified field, but there's this other kind of portal to think about with our emotional and energetic body through the heart and the energetic heart um, and how that's connected to our higher self. Um, so I'm just kind of taking a moment to just think about these models of, you know, why are we communicating and, you know, what is this message that is being communicated um, through these um, biophotons and what is the organizing energy of uh, life um, at the end of the day? Again, back to the brain, the brain does have also, you know, biophotonic emissions and you know, interestingly enough, they've studied that microtubulin begin to fail in the on the brains of Alzheimer's patients. So this biophoton communication in the brain, um, if you don't have the highway to send these signals, there can be a decline in cognitive function. That's just an extrapolation from that relationship that I'm making. I love reading books like The Field from Lynn McTaggart or Electric Body, Electric Health from Eileen McCusick on top of, you know, many other um, papers that have informed me of these insights that I'm just giving you a, a small taste of. And, you know, when we think about the light um, and when we think about laser light, you know, lasers in and of themselves are these monochromatic, coherent light of one wavelength of color. Um, but when we think about this communication network in the body, we, we think about this this idea of coherence and coherent light. And there's this whole beautiful way to look at coherence from the alignment of all these levels of who we are um, in this uninterrupted flow of energy and information. You know, but strictly speaking, by a photonic level you know, the coherence of a, an emission of light, uh, per se, of a cell can mean something. And, you know, we, we talk about healthy cells are able to create and send or receive coherent light, and then injured or dysfunctional or sick cells lose their coherence and un are unable to send coherent light. So when an organism is under stress, it emits more biophotons. Um, so it's like a leaking, uh, like leaking life force. So it's just like Goldilocks perfect kind of balance between, you know, coherence and, you know, incoherence or chaos or entropy. Pop studied, as noted in the field by Lindbergh Taggart, he studied, you know, cancer. And he said that it was kind of like a um, really, you know, people who were going through the cancer process, they were not like they were losing their natural kind of rhythm of light and their coherence of light. It was almost like their light was going out. But then in multiple sclerosis, like more of an autoimmune picture, it was too much order, too much rigidity, too much light that the there was not enough flexibility or individuality of the cell. Um, to communicate. So they were almost kind of drowning in their light. So again, it's not, you know, just give me light and more light. It's you need the right amount for, who, you know, where you are. And interestingly, too, the food that we eat uh, can reflect coherent, you know, light. And the healthier the food, they studied like free-range hens, eggs versus caged eggs, rather, had, or caged hens' eggs, rather, had um, more coherent light coming out of it than the others. So the healthiest food had the lowest and most coherent intensity of light. 
I think about our phones. Wouldn't it be nice if we had like a light meter that we could use to identify what would be the healthy foods? Again, this conversation lends itself to, you know, thinking about photobiomodulation and adding light to the body. We're wired, you know, to, you know, emit and receive light. And we even have, you know, beyond biophotons, bio we have chromophores and chromophores absorb light of specific wavelengths. And there are many biological um, chromophores in the body like hemoglobin, melanin in the skin or cytochromes within the mitochondria. And they respond to a different um, you know, wavelength of light that can turn on and optimize the function of those um, different molecules. And then we have this idea of, you know, different, you know, qualities and properties of light, especially in the photobiomodulation world. That's where we see a lot of, you know, effects of red and near infrared light because of the depth of penetration. There's a sweet spot between like 600 and 1200 nanometers that is very you know, biologically active, especially, again, that, you know, near infrared range, which can be in the high 600s to the high 900s. And that's where a lot of research has been done. And there's this beautiful therapy that I do in my office called photodynamic therapy. When we give somebody a photosensitizer and we combine that photosensitizer with a specific um, you know, wavelength of light that to create an oxidative effect that can either kill unhealthy cells or um, kill microbes. Um, so that's kind of like either looking at like methylene blue and red light. You know, um, red light basically photoactivates methylene blue and makes it mo more potent. So we can do that intravenously and topically and, you know, through, you know, the head. And then there's, you know, when we think about light, especially UV and infrared light, that helps to increase exclusion zone water. And that's why it's so important to get out in the sun because we get that full spectrum of light from UV to infrared that can create, you know, more, again, structured water within the cells that optimize cell charge, um, increases flow within, you know, the capillaries and in the blood, increases oxygen. So, there's a lot of benefits that we could talk about all day long of structured water and we respond to and light, you know, and again, there's a lot of, you know, just different applications in photobiomodulation through, you know, the wrist, through the IV, through the um, skull, through the nose. We also do EBU in our office and there is a UV and red light that the blood goes through before coming back into um, circulation. There's also, again, as I mentioned, you know, there's this, again, light communication within us, light application for healing with photobiomodulation, photodynamic therapy. But I have some dear people um, that have been paving the way in the quantum biology world. This is, you know, coming from, again, you know, that was popularized by uh, Jack Cruz, but, um, you know, people like Carrie Bennett and Dr. Catherine Clinton and the Quantum Biology Collective. I've been going through their work lately because I just wanted to see, you know, up to, you know, get my knowledge up to date and it's, you know, quite good. Um, but they talk about, you know, just this aspect of our circadian biology and this aspect of, you know, humans get sick when we're not around healthy light. And, 
when you think about modern life, right, we get all sorts of mismatched signals between our indoor lighting and our, you know, natural lighting that's out through the, um, again, the different phases of light the sun produces throughout the day. Um, and when we're not around that, um, we get sick. And we have a lot of a lot of junk lighting that we're around, especially with the Internet of Things and, you know, our um, lights being even connected to the Internet. And um, when you think about natural daylight, that full spectrum of light between UV and infrared, you know, incandescent and halogen match that the best as far as light bulbs. And then um, there are, you know, these LEDs that just over peak blue or, you know, fluorescents that have like peaks of green and more kind of orange red. Um, and it's, you know, malillumination, right? It's, you know, affecting our ability to, you know, have this signaling and this communication that we can go, of course, more depth into. So there's a lot of light deficiencies and light toxicities in our world. And, you know, there are ways to, again, mitigate that um, using incandescent halogen indoor lights. Unfortunately, incandescent bulbs are going to be very hard to find soon. Um, also, you know, matching the indoor environment to circadian lifestyle, you know, blue blocking is very, you know, important, especially with how blue light can penetrate into the retina or into the thyroid. And when we're in the, you know, computer all day long, that can be over excessive. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, things to think about, a lot of um, actions that you can take. You can take a little audit of your indoor lighting environment. Um, my dear friend, Julie Conway is going to be on the podcast this fall, and she's going to give us a lot of great insights to indoor lighting and, you know, the beauty of light um, that we should enjoy in our world. Um, and then, you know, there's one other, well, two things, I guess. So there's taking stock of your indoor lighting environment, making sure you're going to connect with Mother Earth each day and her magnetic field and how that is very helpful. The quantum biology folks really like you to get outside and see the sunrise without contacts or glasses and also the sunset. And I have been doing that, you know, all summer. Um, I've known about this for a long time, but I, I've been really trying to be mindful and, you know, it, it really helps to um, help your blood coagulation and everyone's blood flow is, you know, very stagnant, sticky with modern life right now. Um, it helps to give you an electron reserve so you can be inflammatory prepared, you know, throughout all the stresses of the day. And it helps regulate your hormones, you know, which um, most of our hormones are out of sync and out of coherence um, in, you know, this modern life. So light is definitely a, a path, you know, when the more that you can connect with the intelligence of the uh, light in nature, that will only lead you to hell. And the more that you can be inquisitive and curious about the light communications within us, I think there is some real wisdom there that we still continue to have to unpack. So, I just wanted to share that I, I've just been going through my notes and, you know, studying a little bit myself, you know, more. And I think, you know, this biohacking world in this world that I live in medicine can be really expensive. And 
it's really challenging to, you know, sit where I sit and have all this knowledge and experience and not be able to help everyone. And not that I help everyone, but, you know, I try my best to help all my patients. And But these are like meaningful things. The more that I dive into this, I'm going to really put into the forefront of my patient's journey, especially when they get started, that they really have to make this a practice and a lifestyle. And they're going to feel, you know, so much better that you'll, you just continue to do the things that make you feel vital and alive. So that was on my heart today. I hope that you enjoyed this little mini episode. I so value all of you who listen to my podcast. I've been doing this for quite some time now, and it is a just a passion of mine to sit here and to be able to interview all these wonderful people. And I hope that you really learn something and get something valuable out of each conversation. I, I bring back many of the pearls into my treatment room and it helps me to evolve my understanding. So wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, I just send so much love and gratitude and however I can better serve or share you know this platform with you please always feel free to reach out we are people on the other end of info at drchristineschaffner.com and we always love reading your messages so until next time i hope you have a beautiful day